Hello and welcome in to another episode of the Golden Sombrero Show. I'm Dominic Stern, joined as always by Cole Bradley, Ryan Blank. Today is September 2nd. We're in September baseball, guys. Uh, it's been a long journey to get here. I couldn't be any happier. Baseball season has been entertaining. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right. <laughs> you know, doing all right. You know, you're, you are the only one with a team that is contending. I never thought I would say that at the beginning of this year. Neither did I. I definitely expected to have the second best team on the show, but I'm glad I'm wrong. Uh, so let's start this show as we always do with our golden sombreros. We aren't going to have as many as last episode because, of course, we didn't take two and a half weeks in between episodes. We do have a few. So let's start. Our last recorded episode was on the 20th of August. So we got a couple of days in here. First one, Brian Goodwin, back when he was on the Los Angeles Angels on the 21st against the Oakland Athletics. Luis Robert, superstar outfielder for the Chicago White Sox, was just named AL Rookie of the Month on the 23rd against Crosstown rival Chicago Cubs. Got Joey Votto, uh, one of my favorite players in the league, on the 25th against the Milwaukee Brewers. Javier Baez, the free-swinging slugger for the Chicago Cubs against the Cincinnati Reds. Mike Stramski on the 29th against Cole's Arizona Diamondbacks. Eugenio Suarez also on the 29th against the Cubs. Cubs were uh, The Cubs and the Reds were highly involved in these Golden Sobreros. Brandon Nimmo struck out four times in a, in a doubleheader seven-inning game. I thought that was pretty incredible. What do you guys think about that? That takes something it to does. strike out. Especially Brandon yeah, Nimmo. Yeah, yeah, seven innings. I mean, to just get four at-bats in a seven-inning game and to, you know, squander. That's rare. Unless your team is putting up some runs, you won't get four at-bats in a seven-inning game. But, yeah. hey, it takes a special kind of talent. Moments. Then we had Trevor's story on the 30th against my San Diego Padres. And then the next day, the first Padres finally got a golden sabrero. Trent Grisham, Padres leadoff batter in the same series against Colorado Rockies. And our final one, Red Sox top prospect, Bobby Dahlbeck on the 31st against the Atlanta Braves. And so I hate to do this to you guys. Uh, we do always follow up our golden sombreros with how our teams have done recently. Uh, Cole, I'm going to hand it off to you. How have the Diamondbacks done lately? Well, it's funny because the last time we recorded a show, they were 500 and – we're fresh off of a six game winning streak. Um, since then, I think they've, I think they've only won one game um, since that day. And uh, now they were obvious sellers at the deadline. They basically cut, um, they basically just gutted, cleaned house. Um, it was just not, it hasn't been good. There really hasn't been a whole lot to cheer about um, like at all. And this team, to say the least, is just disappointing. And it's kind of crazy to think that they're still somehow, some way, um, I think it's like four games out of a playoff spot, four, maybe five games out of a playoff spot. That just goes to show you how crazy this year is. Um, regardless, I, I, I mean, I think it's too little, too late. It's just not good. Um, I will say one bright spot has been the pitching of Zach Gallen, who's probably – my new favorite pitcher, um, and for good reason. He's just so fun to watch. He went seven innings um, again tonight um, and held probably one of the best 
the most dangerous lineups in baseball to one hit. Um, he's gone his first 23 starts without allowing four runs um, in a single start, which is very impressive. Um, stat, if you ask me, um, he's definitely been the bright spot of this team for sure. And really without him, I don't know what, as a fan, I'd be looking forward to day in and day out watching this team play. It's just been kind of disappointing. But, yeah, that sums it up, and, you know, I'm just disappointed. I guess it's on to me now? Yep. Wow. Um, nothing like Cole, but last time we had a show, Royals were 10-15, actually playing some good baseball. They're now 14-23. and 23. It has just been completely frustrating to see – the turn. Um, honestly, it's to the point where it's pitching. It's the fact that Ian Kennedy continually comes in in big situations. It's frustrating. And when Grandall hit that walk off last Friday, when I saw Kennedy come in, it's sad because I said, it's over. Kennedy's going to give it up. I see Grandall come up. I said, he's going to hit one out and it's going to be gone. Third pitch just sends it flying in the, the stands and right. And it's frustrating because this team is better than what you've seen over the past 12 games. They proved that when they went from 3-10 and 10 to 10-15. and 15. And I just – I'm kind of beside myself with it. This has been frustrating. At this point, honestly, just call up some young guys and give them some experience. I face the fact they're getting last. There's no getting around that unless the Tigers fall apart. And I don't think they will. I think the Royals should just start calling up young guys and get some experience like Bobby Witt, Daniel Lynch, Daniel Tilo. Just bring up some guys to get some experience moving forward because these are guys who are key parts of the future. So it's time to just get that going. Uh, the one bright spot for the Royals this year since he's returned is Brad Keller. Brad Keller's been phenomenal. Three and one, 1.93 RA over 21, no, 28 innings, my bad. Uh, only sur only surrendered 12 walks, which is a lot better because the past, last year, he gave up a career high 70 walks. So he's pitching a lot better. He's looking more confident on the mound. He's really led the rotation ever since he came back. I really loved watching him pitch. He had another great outing against the against the Indians the other night. And that was the last one the Royals had. So Keller's been great. I'll say it. Ryan McBroom, he set a club record with three pinch hit home runs in the span of 18 days. Most pinch hit, tied for the most pinch hit home runs in franchise history. So he's playing well. We've, Dom, you know my frustrations with the Rosenthal trade. You, I'm not going to get into it. Just, I'll say it. I'm still frustrated. But, I'm just uh, – I wish the Royals, after trading Rosenthal, would have just said, hey, who wants Greg Holland and traded Holland? Because then I could have understood it more. I just don't understand – I just don't understand the trade even more by not shipping off Holland. So, honestly – and I just have one thing to say, and I need, I need an honest answer from you too. How would a team want Ian Kennedy over a nine ERA this year? Who would call about getting Ian Kennedy? Well, no Teams one. Are 
Yeah. Bobby Red. Ian Kennedy's been good in the past, so there is some hope that you last can maybe year, revitalize last year, his he career. Was great. He was great as exactly. a closer last year. I don't know why Matheny keeps messing with him. I think Matheny's been awful with the bullpen once again. I think the game where the Cardinals were down were down by four runs and two outs, pulls Rosenthal, brings in Randy Rosario, Royals lose. <laughs> oh yeah, you can laugh. It's, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny. I'm going to say this. It would not shock me if this is Matheny's only year in KC. He no, is. I, well, hold the phone here. It's a <laughs> short season. There's a lot of things. No, I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be. I think he'll get a full season. But if the Royals, if the new ownership decided we're done, it would not shock me. Personally, I think he'll get next season. But if they pulled the plug right now after this season – I would not be completely shocked. Yeah, I'm sure he'll get next year. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's just no way you can jump to conclusions this year with everything that's happened. Yeah, and I agree with that, but there's a lot of things you have to blame on the fact that yeah. you know it's just been such a weird yeah. Year. Yeah. So and I'm just it's been frustrating. So let's just get to you, Dom, so you can gloat about how great your team's playing. Yeah, it's been depressing. Yeah. Dom <laughs> uh, attitude well, get the vibes back. Let's go. Well, First off, I just want to comment on what you just said. The Royals gained nothing from firing Mike Matheny. Uh, the team is a couple of years out from really starting to compete for a playoff spot, especially in a really good division. I just don't see any point in firing Matheny. Now let's talk about the, let's talk about the Padres. Can I address that real quick? Can I address Ryan, that? sure, okay. sure. Uh, it'll make you happy. Like I said, I don't think it'll happen. I don't see a point. I think you got to give him full season, but a lot of people back home want him gone and quick. And I'm just – honestly, he struggled. But, again, it's a lot of firsts this year with COVID and the short season. So I say he's got to have at least one full year. That's it. Go ahead. Talk about the Padres. Yeah. So uh, the San Diego Padres, how about them Padres? All of a sudden, people are trying – are starting to respect the San Diego Padres as a possible World Series contender. And as one of the top teams in the National League – tied for the second-best record in the NL, along with the Cubs and the Atlanta Braves. The San Diego Padres have scored the most runs in all of baseball this year. I, never in my life would I have thought I was going to say that. Always been a team that was just good pitching, mediocre hitting, you know, scrape across a couple of close wins and just get killed the other games. It's been so enjoyable for me to watch this team over the past couple of weeks with Slam Diego hitting four grand slams in four days, five and six games, just absolutely crushing the Rockies. We The Padres allowed four earned runs in a four-game series at Coors Field this past weekend. That is Big incredible. Incredible. And they lost that game by one run. Could have easily walked out of Coors with a sweep. The Padres have won 12 of the last 15, starting to look real confident. Mike Clevenger still hasn't pitched in a Padres uniform. And that's huge because, you know, what? Garrett Richards isn't going to be making a playoff starts. He's going to be coming out of the bullpen in the postseason. And you don't want to face him coming out of the bullpen. 96 mile on our fastball, disgusting slider. Three-man rotation going into the playoffs. It's going to be Mike Clevenger, Denelson Lamette, Zach Davies. Chris Paddock's going to be coming out of the bullpen in the postseason, I, I believe. The Potters are a fun team. And, Ryan, I know I was joking with you earlier, but – if you aren't 
believing in this team as a team that could possibly make a run in the postseason, you're not watching the Padres. We're fun, we're talented, we're playing great baseball, and we're inspired. I'll say this, Dom. I, I've been messing with you. Oh, yeah. This is a team that can easily make a run. And I'm not going to, I'm, depending on how the playoffs shake up, it would not shock me if for somehow, if it falls that way, I could see the Padres and Dodgers facing off in the NLCS. No, they faced off in the NLDS, 110%. Dodgers have the best record in, yeah. in the NL by far. And the I'm Padres have the best shake, record. If it were to somehow land that way, I could see it. But, I think this is a team that can make a run, and I've just been messing with you. Also, I'm curious, why do you think uh, Paddock will be coming out of the bullpen? Well, because he's been the fourth-best starter now on the team now that Clevenger is a Padre. And for the first two playoff series with a three-game and a five-game series, you don't need four starters. You want to use three. You want to get those guys coming around the second time once you make the NLDS, and you have those three guys going for those first three games. There's no reason to not use him out of the bullpen. And how efficient he is, his mindset is incredible. And he's shown times where he'll come and he'll throw 96, 97 if he wants to. Now he chooses not to a lot of the times because he's got to go 80, 90 pitches. So unless he continues to build off of his great starting course field this past weekend and continues to get better, he's probably the number four starting pitcher on the staff right now. And if that's the case, he probably won't make a start until the CS. And I would love to see Chris Paddock coming out of the bullpen, seeing the Texas tailgate flop behind his back. Oh, man, because I think everyone knows how big of a Chris Paddock fan I am. And he, he's looked good outside of his two starts where he's allowed six certain runs. And, of course, you know, he looked awful in those two starts. But I think that he can use out of the bullpen. I think the Padres at this trade deadline realized that, hey, we've got a decent shot at making the postseason this year and possibly making a run. We're going to be the four seed. The Dodgers are going to be the one seed. Who knows if we're ever going to be able to get past these guys. So let's take a shot at them this year. Let's go Let's go build a playoff team. That's what they've done. Yeah, I just, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of cap it off for you. I mean, every I feel like everyone who has been remotely even following that team over the past couple of years, so fans of other teams in the division or, you know, people who have just kind of take note, um, was under the understanding coming into the season that they were going to be good. They, you know, they, they were getting Tatis back healthy paddock, you know, all the governors were off with him. You know, they were going to let him, you know, cut him loose, not putting on innings limit or anything like that. Um, that I don't think anyone knew they were going to be this good. And no. just, I mean, you, you see how serious they're taking it too. I mean, it's one thing to be buyers at the deadline, but then to essentially corner the entire trade block in in during one deadline is a whole another thing. I mean, I I don't think I've ever seen a GM or a team be so aggressive at the deadline like ever in my life. Um, it, it was incredible, and it was I mean honestly awesome to see a team do that. Like to basically treat real life like it's MLB the show and just make every like trade imaginable. Like he, I mean, it, it was a literal video game. It was like what is going on? Um, it's just awesome to see like. It pumps me up because it's like the Padres are the underdog and, you know, you want them to beat the Dodgers if you're a fan of anybody but the Dodgers. Um, and uh, you just want to see that happen. And so the Padres, I think they're the only team so far in the NL that I have really noticed that can really 
compete with the Dodgers. You know, they've played against them probably more than any other, you know, NL team. Well, obviously more than any other NL team has this year. Um, that's contending for a playoff spot. Um, and they've played well against them. And, you know, they're not too far behind them. And like you said, it's like, you know, you know, who knows when the next time they're going to have a shot to really overtake them. So, like, let's 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 win now. Let's let's go for this now. Let's be aggressive. That's just so fun to see. And I mean, I just loved every single move they made. I think they got better literally in every single aspect of the game as if they weren't good in those uh, areas before. Um, you know, it just shows they got even better. It just shows how serious they're taking this and how serious everyone else who's, you know, following baseball or, you know, starting to hop on the Padres bandwagon should, you know, take this. Like, this isn't a fluke. Like, this is a team that's that's legit. You know, it's it's been that way since the start. So it's been exciting to watch as just a as just a baseball fan. And I honestly can't wait to see where it goes because I mean they're like you said, they're such a fun team and it's just it's just really fun to watch. I think when we start back up with episodes and start talking before the season, we all emphasized how if a team could get hot and get really hot, they'll write it and take it all the way. And that's what the Padres are doing. And it's, you know, Dom, I know I give you a ton of, a ton of, I make fun of you. I joke around with you and I'm taking you seriously. This team is really good. You, in my opinion, you got two MVP candidates on your team. You've got right now the best left side of the infield of an infield and they're playing terrific baseball. Denelson Lamette has been surprisingly terrific. I did not think he pitched like this this year. And this is a team that I never thought I would see go out and just attack and take over the trade deadline. And that's exactly what they did. With a new manager nonetheless. I mean not I don't I mean look Tingler's made some bad decisions this year. He has. I get it. But, I mean, you got to give some credit to him. I mean, for sure. He's a great coach. He's one of the best coaches I've ever seen. And that's not me being a Padres bias. But what he's done to get this entire team, like, connected and saying, hey, we're going to work on getting on base, working pitch counts, you know, selling out on the field, you know, improving there. Tatis made 13 errors last year in 84 games. It was bad. It was hard to watch. Eric Hosmer made more errors last year than his last four years as a Kansas City Royal. And they've been great defensively this year. A bunch of other guys. Will Myers looks good out in right field. Trent Grisham looks like one of the best defensive center fielders in all of baseball. You know, Manny, Manny's Manny Machado. His nickname is La, El Ministro de la Defensia because he's so good defensively. And Jake Cronenworth has showed the ability to play three really good defensive positions. First base when Eric Hosmer was was sick, shortstop to give Tatis a day off, and then second base, which is where he's taken over. And coming into the year, there were some big question marks on the team. But Eric Hosmer bounced back. He has. Second base, who's going to perform there? Jake Cronenworth's going to win NL Rookie of the Year. Unless he just falls apart in the second half. He leads all NL rookies in basically every single hitting category that's relevant. Will Will Myers bounce back after a horrible 2019? He has. Trent Grisham is finally that left-handed hitting alpha that we've been missing. And Jerickson Profar, over the past month, has been playing good baseball. I 
I've not been the biggest fan of him in the past, but he's playing well. The team is buying into what Tingler wants. He's done a great job. He's made some just god-awful managerial decisions with the bullpen. But the Padres are playing good baseball. I couldn't be any happier. And this isn't a Padres baseball podcast. I have my own Padres baseball podcast, if anyone wants to listen to that. Uh, we, I could talk about this team for ages, though. You guys ready to move on? Yes, okay. Uh, so we had a huge thing in baseball happen today, which was the passing of a legend, Tom Seaver of the New York Mets, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Tom Seaver was just an incredible player. He was nicknamed the franchise for the New York Mets, and he really embodied that. And I was hearing all the cool stories of former players talk about him today on MLB Network. It was just incredible. Uh, well, what were your guys' thoughts on the passing? I think it's really sad, obviously. I mean, you know, there's been a lot of really, um, you know, large lot. I, I'd say, you know, big lives lost in the sporting world this year, which stinks. And, you know, you, you never hate – you hate to see that. Um, but just reflecting on his career, I mean, the guy was – this is one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Um, and it's crazy because he was a New York Met. No shame to the Mets. Um, but the guy was an um, NL ERA champion. Uh, let's see. I got the numbers here three times. Um, he's just really good. He had uh, 1971. He had a 1.76. That's – I don't care what era you're playing in. That's ridiculous. He had 289 strikeouts that year. The dude was insane. Um, won the Rookie of the Year, three-time Cy, Cy Young Award winner. Played 20 seasons in the league. Um, nonetheless, just a really, really good pitcher. And, um, I mean, it sucks to see him pass, obviously. Um, but, I mean, just looking back on his career as a, as a player and as a person, I mean, you know, there's really, really nothing bad you can say about him. I mean, he was just an awesome – uh, performer, you know, he's a gamer, you know, he went out there and he, and he performed and he was really good with the Mets and um, that's really all I got. You know, like Cole said, this year has been rough for the sport, for the sports world. And you've seen that earlier this week, you saw John Thompson pass away, the old Georgetown basketball coach and Tom Seaver, like Cole said, dominant pitcher. He had five seasons where he won 20-plus games. One of those seasons, he won 25 games. 12-time All-Star. Terrific pitcher. And when he has it in the franchise for the Mets, he was the franchise for the Mets. He meant everything to them. And he turned around that ball club, uh, the cornerstone of that franchise for years. And it always hurts to see a baseball legend go. And another baseball legend has sadly passed. That's really all I have to say about it because Cole, Cole, you did a great job really summing it up. Yeah, one thing I think you missed was that he had a 2.86 career ERA, and that's just absolutely incredible. You see a lot of pitchers fade off towards the ends of their career, and that really hurts their career numbers. But for Tom Seaver, that just wasn't the case. Rest in peace, Tom Seaver. Another thing we wanted to get out of the way was to talk about what happened – past week in baseball uh, after the shooting of Jacob Blake uh, in Wisconsin. 
a couple of teams, including the Milwaukee Brewers who play in Wisconsin, decided to uh, sit out of their games in uh, in a boycott to protest the shooting of police violence and police brutality against African-Americans. What were your guys' thoughts on that? I think it's awesome. I mean, I think in a time like this, you know, you really need um, to take a step back as not only uh, from an athlete's perspective, from a fan perspective in particular, and realize, you know, sports aren't the be all end all. You know, we were kind of humbled earlier this year when, you know, the pandemic shut everything down. Um, and I think what fans need to realize is in protest of something that's just much larger than sport or, you know, a, really anything in the going on in the world right now, we can go a day or two, you know, heck even a week, maybe even a month, maybe even a year um, without sports. If it means that, you know, we raise awareness about more important things going on in society and in the world. So I think it's awesome how athletes and teams have rallied around this idea of, you know, um, we stand with, you know, black lives matter and we stand with, um, you know, all those who have, who feel, um, you know, that they've been done wrong by, you know, the social injustice that's been going on in the world um, lately. And I think the NBA in particular has done such a phenomenal job of this. I mean, you know, really spreading that message during their um, whole bubble playoff um, thing that they've been doing. Um, but I think just really base, baseball, you know, following suit with that was, was good to see. Um, there were some teams that didn't didn't decide to, you know, raise awareness, if you will, or, you know, really partake. And, I mean, it's it's a team decision. I mean, do I agree with it, you know, if you didn't decide to partake? You know, no, but, you know, that's your decision. I just think that personally if I was, you know, a part of a team, um, I'm all for, you know, just – saying hey we're taking a step back from this because you know this isn't important right now and we need to we need to take a look at the bigger picture so i was all for it i think it's awesome that um we're as a society at least a little bit starting to realize more of the uh social um issues that are that uh plague our our society and everything and you know i just i think it was a job well done by um most of the major professional sports organizations. You know, I'm going to say it like this. Uh, it was basically, for me, the way I saw it is, it went team by team. By team. And I respect any team's decision. If they wanted to play, they wanted to play. If they didn't want to, they didn't want to. I respect it regardless. Some players believe they can't just sit idly by and just go play, and especially in time of tragedy. And I completely respect that. But I also see the side of players who want to go out there and try to get people's minds off it and off the tragedy just for a moment and just enjoy something. And I can see that and I respect whatever decision they made. And I'm going to say what I think a lot of people understand, but we live in a country right now that's very divided. A lot of, a lot of things that are said just keep dividing people. What sports can do is bring people together, and sports brought people together by doing what they did because it showed the humanistic side of the, of each athlete because as fans as well as journalists, we see we look up to these guys as role models, but they're people too, and they want to unite 
everyone and by taking a stance and standing up for what they believe is right, that's unifying people more than just any ordinary person can do because a lot of people look up to these players like Giannis Antetokounmpo. These top players in their sports, you see that and people look up to them and use them as a way to live their lives. And I completely, I commend the athletes who did that. And I commend the athletes who even played. It's team by team basis. And I respect their decisions regardless because they did what they thought was best for themselves and for everyone else. Yeah. And you always got to remember before these players became athletes, they were people and they're always going to be people. They're not always going to be an athlete. And they took their platform to say, hey, there's problems going on in this country. Go look at that for today. We can play a doubleheader tomorrow. And I thought it was cool. At first, I'm like, ah, oh, no, like, I, I'm going to miss baseball. Like, why, why are they doing this? But then I had more conversations with people about what was going on with the shooting of Jacob Blake that day than I had in any of the previous days because it wasn't like this happened and then the next day these protests happened. It happened like a week earlier. And it was cool to see these athletes use their platform to do this. And it first started with the Milwaukee Bucks. We must clarify that. Uh, they were the first team to say that. The entire NBA shut down for that day. The NHL shut down for the previous for the for the next day. And I was kind of disappointed in the MLB because in my opinion, with what happened that day, they couldn't really do anything to be unified. But the following day, some teams played and some teams didn't. And it's like, come on. Because, like, Ryan, you, you brought up the very, very hot take that this country is not unified. And obviously I'm kidding there. The country is extremely ununified. And the fact that both professional sports leagues that were going on at the time, basketball and hockey, were both unified in their decisions the following day to not play. And some teams were playing in baseball the next day and some teams weren't. It's just like, come on, Rob Manfred, get one thing right. It was incredible. And uh, Jack Flaherty, who is one of my favorite players in the MLB, uh, he, I believe, is also African-American as well. He tweeted out, how can we not be unified for just one day? And he is 100% right. You know, Rob Manfred and um, talking about how, oh, it's going to mess up the scheduling. Who cares? If scheduling is a, that big of a problem for you, you have your priorities wrong. So that was my thoughts on that. What do you guys think? I 100% agree. I mean, I think, um, I think you know, baseball is in such a time of turmoil as is. You know, they've, like you said, Manfred's just gotten so much stuff wrong. I feel like this was a good opportunity to say, you know what, we stand, um, we stand pat with everyone else on this issue. And, you know, as a league, not only just on as, as teams, but as a league, as the MLB, as the, as the, you know, major, you know, you know, what makes baseball, what did, you know, baseball's brand. Um, we as a league are going to just not play today to help, you know, spread awareness for this because we stand, you know, with, with those who, who, um, who are just outraged and who, you know, who need to, who need to have their voices heard. Um, I completely agree. I think, you know, I was a little disappointed with the MLB in the beginning. Um, 
and you know i saw the individual teams kind of do their thing and i was like okay i'm happy with that um and you know i i, I mean like ryan said it's a team by team thing i suppose but i just wish the league would take account and maybe take note of like what the nba is doing and say you know this we should be doing more of that you know this is this is why you know the nba i feel like as far as professional sports go is just so much so much more like you know, marketable and so much more, you know, um, easier to get behind with their decision-making and everything like that, because they just, they, they do most of the stuff, right. Um, and they, they know how to, how to not only market their game, but they know how to spread awareness of things because they have such a voice and they use their athletes to do that. And I think that's such a huge thing. And, you know, as a fan of baseball, you just wish the MLB would do more of that. For me, looking at it, I think one of the best things about the NBA is that they give their players a voice completely. They do. And you saw it with Chris Paul. You saw him as a pre- as the president of the Players Association in the NBA. They took a stand, and they used their voices. I feel like in the MLB, it's not the same way. I feel that they don't have as great of a voice. When was the last time you saw – a player really have the opportunity to go speak to Manfred. It's not, it's usually Clark. Who's, who's the executive for the MOBPA, but that's not the right perspective. Exactly. I think you have to hear from the player's side and not from someone who's overseeing the players. And I feel like that's one of the flaws with baseball. And I think that for the MLB, there could have been something that they could have done to have no teams play for a day. But again, I think that looking at it, I don't know how teams would have responded. There were some teams that were that were that had full intentions to play, and I don't think you can fault a team for doing that because that's just, that's just their beliefs. And as much as it would have been nice to see that unification and what message it could have sent, to have the unification around the MLB, it would have been huge. It would have been terrific, but we didn't get it. And I think that you just got to respect what other people and what those teams decided. You may disagree with it, but you have to respect it, and that's just really what it comes down to. Yep. All right. So let's talk about some of the trades that just went down. Uh the first really big trade was the Phillies acquiring two relievers from the Red Sox, Keith Hembry and Brandon Workman. It was really funny to see them both suck in the first game because you, you can you can add good relievers to the Phillies, but they're, they're still Phillies relievers. The Phillies, they are starting to play a lot better baseball. All of a sudden in the playoff picture, good for them. Uh, most we, we all thought that they'd be around where they are now, not where they were. And then Padres acquired Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals. Ryan Blank already discussed his uh, his frustration with that trade. I don't think it's as Still bad. Stinks. As, I don't think it stinks. Okay, I don't think it's as bad as he makes it out to be. But it's really cool because Padres bullpen has struggled, especially in uh, crunch time situations outside of Drew Pomeranz, who is still yet to allow a run all year. Ryan played about how bad the Royal, the Royals bullpen is going to be this year. Yeah, Drew Pomeranz was a free agent that you could have signed and you didn't. Shame. 
don't get me started, Dom. Don't get me started. That's your warning, one. And two, I feel like you heard my reasons for why I disagreed with the trade. And I think it's that the a big reason surrounding it is that the Royals continually go after players that they don't need. The Royals did not need to grab another outfielder. Five of their top 20 prospects before that trade are outfielders. Three of their top 10 are outfielders. The outfield is crowded already. That's why they traded Brett Phillips. And it just, it did not make sense to me. So that's all I have to say about that. And then Saturday came around and then Padres made more trades, acquired Austin Nola catcher from the Seattle Mariners. And then at that point on, on Monday, the trade deadline really blew up. And of course it started with, the San Diego Padres acquiring starting pitcher Mike Clevenger from the Cleveland Indians. The Indians got a haul. There's no denying that. Uh, I'll get into that trade a little bit later, but as I'm just scrolling through the other trades that went down throughout the day is that, let's see, Oakland A's acquired Mike Miner from the Texas Rangers. It was. Mike Miner had a really good start against the Los Angeles Dodgers. He struggled on the year, but – if he can get back to the Mike Miner that he was last year, it's a good trade. Yeah, he you struggled a lot this year with the over 0-5 record, over 5 ERA. But I think that for a lot of players, it's a change of scenery. And you saw how great he was when he was first in Texas. And he can get back to that. I know that Ace fans are frustrated because if there's a year for them to go all in, it was this year, and they could have tried to go get a top caliber pitcher, but they didn't. But – Mike Miner could be a guy who could be a potential difference maker. Yeah, especially with the struggling Frankie Montas, that's definitely a player that could help them going forward. Uh, Robbie Ray, Diamondback got sent to the Toronto Blue Jays. Starling Marte went to the Marlins. Jonathan Villar went to the Blue Jays. And let's see, what else? We had the Cubs go out and get two relief pitchers. They got Andrew Chafin and then Osich from – the Red Sox, David Phelps went to the Phillies. The Phillies getting more bullpen. Uh, Cameron Mabin went to the Chicago Cubs. Archie Bradley went to the Reds. That's a huge trade for the Reds. Uh, looking at it, that's really the big trades that went down. The Mets, the Mets, Lil' Mets acquired Todd Frazier, Robinson Chirinos, and Miguel Castro. Miguel Castro is a good pickup for them. And then the final trade that went down was Taylor Williams, another pitcher from the Mariners, getting dealt to the Padres. Uh, so let's talk about some of the trades. Guys, what trades do you think are going to have the most impact and what trades you guys just don't see being that big? You talked a little bit about – so aside from the Padres, because we all know the Padres, you know, they were winners, whatever. Um, who cares? Um, outside of that um, – some of the other big trades to highlight, you talk about, and this is biased by no means, honestly. Um, the Reds going to get Archie Bradley, I think, is an underrated move. I made a video about this. Um, they have a bullpen ERA of over five. It's like 5.6 or something. It's bad. It's like really bad. And Archie right now has struggled because he hasn't, you know, he hasn't had too many outings because, well, the Diamondbacks haven't, you know, been winning, let alone leading games going into the ninth inning. And, you know, you can't use your closer if, you know, you aren't winning games. Um, 
So his struggles, I don't think accurate, accurately reflect, you know, um, his season. I think he's really been bit by the ERA bug, but that's going to be a big pickup for them because they made two really big moves because they got Brian Goodwin from the angels as well, which I also really like um, that had, helps add to their outfield depth um, as well. Um, I think the reds are definitely, definitely made two good moves. I also really like the blue Jays moves. Um, they acquired three new starting pitchers. Um, yeah, they're not like ace caliber. Yeah, they're nothing crazy, but you know, they're innings eaters. So you, I mean, maybe not Robbie Ray, but I mean, Tywin Walker's been solid this year and J- Ross Stripling is not a bad option either. Plus they got Daniel Vogelbach and Jonathan VR as well. Um, who's two really solid hitters. So, I mean, that's, you know, something to cheer for if you're a Blue Jays fan, because this is a team in a season like this that's actually a contender, and they're taking advantage of that, um, which I think is great. Outside of that, there's really no moves that I am a big fan of um, outside of the Padres deals, um, but that's obvious. You know, that's just that's just whatever. Um, but, yeah, I don't really – I don't know about the Mets doing what they did. Um like getting Frazier again is cool, but you know, what is he going to do? He probably won't start. He might just come off the bench for them because they still have JD Davis. Um, and JD then, Davis is hurt though. He is, but you know, we'll see where that goes. And then I don't know if Robinson Trinos is a real suitable replacement for their catching platoon, but I mean, I guess I suppose, you know, maybe it helps. We'll see. We got like 20 some games left, you know, anything can happen. So, um, outside of the Padres moves, which were pretty much all good trades. Um, there's not a whole lot to, you know, really be excited about, I'd say. Uh, Cole, I will agree with you on the Archie Bradley trade. The Reds have a terrific dynamic duo and a great trio and the starting rotation where they've got Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, and Luis Castillo. Great, great rotation. They don't have the bullpen to back it up. That Getting Archie Bradley is huge. It boosts their bullpen. Just like those trades were huge for the Padres to boost their bullpen, it's huge for the Reds. I like what the Reds did because they are in striking distance to get into the playoffs, and they are buying because they believe they can get there. And I think it was a great trade. I think they believe that they can get there, and I still have faith in that team to make it to the playoffs. I love what the Blue Jays did as well. They are, they, I believe, are a playoff team. They're right there. And them going on and getting Ross Stripling, Robbie Ray, and Tyron Walker, I think is huge. Gets more of a supporting cast in that rotation around Hinjin Ryu. And I think it just gives them more layers to their team. Yeah, like you said, Cole, they're inning eaters. And they're going to give you some solid innings. And that's what they need. So I like those trades as well. Of course, I think the Clevenger trade was great. I think that the Padres did a great job only giving up one top 10 prospect. That's just, I give, you got to give them credit for that. And that's a huge trade for them because that gives them a top pitcher in that rotation, and a guy who can be their ace. And you got to give Preller credit for everything that he did. Like, there's no getting around, there's no beating around the bush. Incredible job by him throughout the entire deadline. But there is one trade I did not like by the Padres. Jason Castro. I talked to Dom about this. I believe that they should have just gone for Aaron Nola. I mean, Austin Nola. Jeez, my bad. 
Austin Noah. I think that even though Mejia is on the IL, I think he would would have been he would be a suitable backup. That's my that's my reasoning behind that. But again, Castro's a veteran that can help a lot of the young guys that they have. So, let like you said, Cole, there's not a ton of trades that are just notable, but there are those few that just stick out. And it, I'm, I'm upset to see the Diamondbacks as they went full sell mode because, like Cole, I was very high on them going into this year. After they traded for Starling Marte, got Mad Bum, added Cole Calhoun for another bat, I, I was excited to see them. I thought they were going to be true contenders who can make a run in the playoffs, and they just struggled. Yeah. So Honestly, if you weren't high on them coming into the season, I don't know like what you were looking at. I mean, on paper, they look so good, but – yeah, I mean, it just hasn't. It just hasn't. You know, the product hasn't been the same way on the field. And I mean, yeah. I mean, as a fan, it's it's disappointing to watch. I mean, you kind of ask yourself, like, like what, like what's going on? Like, this shouldn't be happening. Like, why, why is Madison, why is Madison Bumgarner have an ERA almost, you know, in in the eight range to the moon? Yeah, exactly. Um, why, why is it that you know, all these guys? that we picked up like Junior Guerra and Hector Rondo and have been really piss poor, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of, it's, it sucked to watch, but you know, it is what it is. I've always kind of stood behind what Mike Hazen does. I mean, I feel like he always makes moves uh, with a purpose and for a reason. Um, and I, I think the reason, you bring that up, Cole, sorry to cut you off, but I think when you look at the reason, that's why I think the Starling Marte trade makes sense. He has an eight million dollar option for next year, and twelve and a half. Actually, is it twelve and a half? Twelve and mm-hmm. a half. Yeah, so you have to do one and a half million dollar buyout for him if you don't want to resign him. Yeah, and that Knowledge. makes sense. They did not seem like they were going to pick up that option. A team like the Marlins will do that. <laughs> so right. That trade. That trade made sense. Yeah. That get the value out of while you can, because I mean. Yeah. There was already no guarantee in a full season that they were even going to pick up his option anyway. So I was already like, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if they move him at the deadline just because, you know, he's an expensive outfielder. You know, he's a guy who, who, you know, he comes with a high price tag. And I mean, I feel like it's partially for good reason. He's kind of the, yeah. all, kind of the full package. I mean, he plays solid defense and center. He can run the bases really well. He's a good hitter, um, you know. But this just wasn't the year for us. I mean, I, I really like Mike Hazen going and just getting value for what he can. And, you know, he's one of those GMs who he, he's never really in quote-unquote rebuild mode. He's always trying to put out a competitive product whenever he can. So, I mean, I, I'm i not worried about next year. I mean, I just I want them to kind of get through this year and to try and learn as much about themselves as they can. You know, I really like them giving um, Varsho some time. You know, he's one of their top prospects. He's, I mean, you know, he hasn't been hitting, but, you know, give him some time. He's young. Um, you know, give him some action behind the plate. Give him some action in the outfield. Do as much as you can with the young guys as you can because those are the guys who are going to be out there next year. So I've been happy with that at the least. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was kind of I, – I knew they were going to be selling. I didn't know they were going to be, you know, cleaning house. Um, cause there's a difference and, um, you know, they're just, they're just trying to move on from the past and, you know, trying to free up some cap for next year and, you know, try and being competitive again next year and we'll see what happens. Um, but I was definitely caught off guard. 
you know, Cole, you bring up a good point on how the Diamondbacks are bringing up young talent. And I wish the Royals would do that. Sorry to go on a tangent, but I said it earlier, but it just shows the frustration. And, and it's just when you've got some great talent in the minors, give them some time when your team is just awful. Like, I'll, I'll admit it, the Royals are just struggling completely. Like, I did not think that they were going to be terrific this year, but not like You, predict, you predicted them to make the playoffs. I had to go don't, bold don't. once. I had to go bold once. There's a difference between going bold and believing it, Ryan. Like, they're, dude, no. I, the moment you did that, I'm like, you also, dude, you also gave you? Hold on, hold on. You're the one that also gave me all kinds of horse for saying three AL Central teams making the playoffs. I had four, but you gave me a lot of you gave me a lot of horse no, for saying three. I, yes, you did. Absolutely not. Why would I not think there'd be three AL Central teams in the playoffs? I figured the White Sox would be a borderline playoff team as it was coming into the year, but I had the behind the Indians. I, I'll admit that it's looking like there's a strong possibility I'm wrong there, but there's no way that a team like the Chicago White Sox who get to play the Royals sometimes, oh, and, and they get to play the Tigers sometimes. There's no way they were going to miss the playoffs in an expanded playoffs. So it's, I think that a lot of teams at this point who are just. I love how we just pivoted away from how I just owned them. How I think a lot of teams who are just out of it should do what the Diamondbacks are doing and bring up young talent to showcase the future. Because those are guys who are going to be up next year and in the coming years. And like you said earlier, Dom, the Royals are a few, are a couple years away. Get them the experience now, especially because. When you bring them up, it's not going to count as a full service year. So why not do it? It just it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, you're you're completely right on that point. And another thing for the Royals is Otomar Tobon DC is just struggling mightily. And when you have Bobby Witt, a young, promising shortstop prospect who, to my understanding, is on the 60-player pool. Am I right about that, Ryan? Yes, he is. And he is yeah. He's impressed at the alternate site. But there's, like Matheny said, Mondesi's his guy. He believes in Mondesi, and I and the Royals believe that, and I'm and I believe in Mondesi. He's shown it that he has it with the glove, even when he's struggling at the plate. His glove has been great this year, besides his struggles at the beginning. But I think Bobby Wood is going to move to third base. I think he's going to be the third baseman of the future. I've said that from be, from the beginning, and that move became apparent to me when they moved Hunter Dozier from third to right field. And sign Michael Franco. It that's just how I see it, and I think that's how it's going to play out. Also, just real quick, um, a couple moves going back to the deadline that also pop out at me. I really like the moves that the Rockies made. Uh, they got Michael Givens from the Orioles, one point three eight ERA this year in thirteen innings pitched. They need bullpen help. That's always been their problem. I really like that move. Also, they got Kevin Pillar to add to the outfield uh, as just depth. He's not like lighting it up, but four home runs and 13 ribbies, 274. I think he'll take that. Um, definitely like Colorado's moves um, since they're like a fringe pl- playoff team right now. Um, Colorado made some really good moves. I really like that. Yeah, I, 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 I like the that. Just a couple solid moves. Wanted to bring that up. So, Cole, you're close. You're from Colorado. I This just popped in my head when I saw that trade. Could you see Charlie Blackman moving to a more of a DH role potentially? With the well, acquisition of Pilar, or is he strictly for depth? I just um, want your take on it. Yeah, well, the games I've watched, 
Colorado play this year, Blackman has actually been DHing more than he's actually been playing the outfield anyway. Um, so they might just keep him, you know, DHing, you know, as they have been. I th- I don't know if it's they if they've continued to do that. I just remember the few games I've watched, he's actually been in the DH spot, um, especially back when he was on that like ludicrous hitting streak and you know was batting almost 500 um but you know yeah i think if they could swing it you know because you also have sam hilliard who's you know he's not another guy's not really lighting it up but as far as like rookies are concerned he's he's kind of up there in some in some of the um you know more important offensive categories um so maybe you get him more playing time i don't know i just like the moves they made um and yeah i think Pilar's a guy you probably just, you know, you utilize him, um, you know, put him out there as a defender, you know, to kind of substitute for Charlie Blackman's pretty poor defensive um, prowess, to say the least. Um, and you just use him as a DH because, you know, the guy can still hit, obviously. Yeah, and so I'm finally going to get the opportunity to talk about the other Padres trades that went down with the trade deadline. So Mitch Moreland was the second trade the Padres got. Mitch Moreland was just killing it in Boston prior to being dealt to the Padres. And um, that, that was one of my favorite trades that Preller made. One of my favorite trades. I thought that was a terrific trade. Just want to say that. Thank you. Uh, and the Padres were able to give up two solid young prospects in Hudson Potts and Heisen Rosario. And those two guys, while they're good, Padre, they're good prospects for us. They didn't really have a path to the major leagues. Hudson Potts, corner infielder, you know that's it's a really tough position to be a Padre right now because you got Hosmer, who's having one of those best years of his career, uh, highest OPS of his career, uh, is on, would be on pace to have the most home runs in any single season for Eric Hosmer, and he's back to playing elite defense. Ryan. Uh, and then not to mention Manny Machado is over at third base for the Padres. So he doesn't really have a path. And then you also have Heisen Rosario, an outfielder. The outfield is really performing for the Padres right now. So not really a path for him there. As for the other trades, Jason Castro, Ryan, you mentioned you like this trade, but to compliment him with Austin Nola, I think is a great trade because the Padres they shipped off Austin Hedges, send him to the moon. Dude could not hit water if he fell out of a boat. He's finally gone. He helped develop some of the young pitchers. We thank him for that. He was great defensively, but, man, watching the dude hit was was awful. And then young catcher Luis Torrens got traded in the Austin Nola trade to the Seattle Mariners. And then Francisco Mejia is hurt, but not to mention Mejia, who you say should be the backup for this year. Well, Castro is a free agent after the year, so that's not the concern. But Francisco Mejia on the year, batting 079, they have 146 OBP and a 184 slugging percentage. That is a negative 10 OPS plus. Out of boy. And Ryan, you, your team has made it to the playoffs before. I wouldn't know what that's like. How would you feel if your backup catcher had a negative 10 OPS plus? No, I would not feel great. But exactly. you so who's solid? So yeah. So I think this was a great trade, a great get. Gave up Gerardo Reyes, who a relief pitcher who throws hard, has got a good off speed, but frankly doesn't really know where the ball is going. 
So the Angels are taking a chance on him. They're, they're getting rid of Castro for 25 games. Great trade there. He actually drove in the go-ahead run in tonight's Padres game against the Angels. How awesome is that? Uh, as a Padres fan, a team that normally their former players come back and just haunt us, this was a good, uh, this was a good change. And then Austin Nola has been one of the best hitting catchers in the league. According to Fangraphs, this is the best hitting catchers war for all catchers in the MLB. Yes, greater offensive war than JT Riomuto. Obviously, he's not the defensive catcher that JT Riomuto is. JT is a better catcher, but offensively, he's been getting the job done. Got a hit and a walk in his first game the other night. So those were two good moves. Padres gave up a lot in return for Nola. They also got two relief, two relief pitchers to go along with that to help out with the bullpen. And, of course, the big trade, the Mike Clevenger deal. I, I can't say enough about this deal. I thought it was going to get done Sunday afternoon. I was I was basically just shaking in my chair because we were, we were in on him. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going to make this happen. This is going to make us true World Series contenders. It, it went through Sunday morning, and all the players the Padres gave up were expendable players. And the Indians have to be stoked with their return. Cal Quantrill, who has – just around a two ERA on the year as both a starter and a relief pitcher on the year. Josh Naylor finally starting to come around as a hitter, really good young prospect who I thought the Padres should have traded when they signed Eric Cosmer because he's really a first baseman. He, he has transitioned to become more of an outfielder. So the Indians are getting a good outfield bat there because they've really struggled out there. And then Austin Hedges, I, I, I've already said what I need to say about him, but then they also got three really good prospects in return for that. And the main one, I think, in my opinion, is Gabriel Arias. And Arias isn't really known on the big stage as prospects because he's overshadowed by a lot of the Padres prospects. This is a stud. Hit over 300 in a ball last year with an insane OBP. He wasn't expected to be a good hitter. He's more known for just being an elite defender. And I know you guys have watched Fernando Tatis Jr. play defense. He's spectacular. Scouts say that Arias is a better defender than Tatis. That's incredible. And so he's going to be making the major leagues eventually. And with the possibility of Lindor not coming back after next season or them trading him this offseason, Arias is a possible replacement for them. So I thought they did a great job there. Then along with Joey Cantillo, a really good left-hand starting pitcher in low-way ball, absolutely killed it. Dude's got a great mindset. He's going to be a stud someday as long as he can stay healthy. And then the last prospect they got, Owen Miller, a really steady, young, slugging second baseman. Uh, he's kind of similar to Luis Urias. You know, he's never really going to hit the ball out of the ballpark, but he's going to put the ball in the gaps. He's going to play good defense for you. He's going to run hard. Really good player. So the Indians scored, but the Padres have to feel great about themselves. Getting the ace, getting another starting pitcher who has two more years of control after this season. So, I'm stoked. The Indians are getting a good return. The Indians are still an underrated team in baseball. The pitching staff is so disgustingly good there. Uh, the, the Being a buyer at the trade deadline for the first time in 10 years was truly an awesome feeling. Just sitting there being like, holy cow, we're being better with every move that's being made. It was just awesome. And it was surreal. It, the Padres have sucked for the past 10 years. I don't want over 77 games in that time frame. And most of the time it was down near 70 in the low 60s. And 
it, it was just incredible. We're finally being rewarded for our patience. And it's awesome. That, that's enough that needs to be said about the Padres today. Well, just one more thing. I, I'm sad to see Austin Hedges go. He was my favorite Padre. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, in games he got a hit, they were actually over 500. So, yeah. I mean, just, just some it, of the it was it was rare, though. <laughs> yeah, it was very rare. He is but, now uh, a career lower than 200 hitter. Um, he has nine hits on the year, and three of those are home runs. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. But outside of that, hey, efficiency when he's hitting the ball. Just had just had to say that he's he's yeah he was getting on base more this year than he had in previous years but you you guys don't understand what we've been through watching him hit the past two years it's been bad <laughs> he's now Cleveland's problem hey, he's gonna have to figure out how to Dom. hit in international baseball Dom I have an idea by the way you're on, you're on mute um, since you like to say that Hosmer has a chance of being a better Padre than Royal. How about we debate this next next show? I never just, said that. Just to, to shut just you up. Dude, but listen, he's ha- he has a better OPS this year right now than he has in any other year. How many gold gloves did he won with the Padres? Dude, he, he sucked defensively the past two years. He couldn't win it this year. Hey, listen, Ryan. Ryan, Ryan, if we had learned anything from me doing four hours of extensive defensive research last year to only get half the gold gloves right – Gold gloves aren't a good way to track if you did well defensively. Uh, listen, Eric Cosmer was a great defender in Kansas City, and he hasn't been as a Padre. He's been a lot better this year. He's probably not going to wear a gold glove as a San Diego Padre, and that's fine. He doesn't have to be the best player on the Padres because in a couple of years, he's probably going to be the third or the fourth highest paid Padre. That's fine. Stop being a hater. Hop on the bandwagon, dude. I'm not hating. I'm just hating on you trying to trying to think that Hosmer has a chance to be a better Padre. I don't know where he went. Well, I he's gone. He's, he's gone. He's getting the jersey. Oh, he's going to get the Hosmer shirt. I know he is. In the jersey. He's going to get it. I know what he's doing. So, you know what? We're going to move on. I'm going to take over. And <laughs> so, Cole, let's react to these. <laughs> let's react to these. Standings that we have in the National League. What are any? What are your surprises in the National League standings as of right now? I mean, just how? I mean, look at the Marlins, man. I mean, seriously, like, what is going on with Miami? I mean, they're not, they're not like the, you know, the cream of the crop right now. But um, I mean, the fact that Miami's been like somewhat contending and is actually like kind of like contending for a playoff spot it's right now. It's more consistent, actually. Kind of insane. So I mean, yeah, that's consistently that, winning games. That's the that's the big takeaway for me. So, Don, would uh, you like to go? Yeah, they're they're they have a couple of really good young arms, especially highlighted by Sixto Sanchez, who of course is in the JT Realmuto trade, along with Jorge Alfaro, their their young catcher. They have a lot of promising young players to go along with some good veteran players, such as Jesus Aguilar and Corey Dickerson. Uh, They did have Jonathan VR, who they then traded to the Toronto or Buffalo Blue Jays. Which Uh, made sense. Which which made sense because they have their young second baseman coming back after he opted out originally. Yeah. So that that trade made sense. Yeah. I forget his but I remember watching him hit a home run in his first game. Off of Jacob DeGrom, actually. That was pretty good. 
Uh, I think it's Yvonne Diaz or something. Uh, anyways, the the Marlins, they're, they're, they're not as bad of a team as people expect them to be. I did expect them to be last. We all predict them to be last in that division. But I do remember saying this team will be better than people think they are. And I've been right in that sense. The fact that they've handled themselves after sitting out for almost two weeks due to the breakout that happened within their team is pretty incredible. Tom uh, Maddox is doing a pretty good job managing this team. And all they have to do is play 500 baseball for the rest of the year, and they're a playoff team. And I think they're certainly capable of doing that, uh, which is crazy because the the Mets have been obviously a disappointment. Uh, the Red Sox have been a disappointment in that aspect too. And just looking over in that division, the Phillies have been vulnerable at times. The Washington Nationals have really struggled. I think everyone expected them to take a bit of a step back without Anthony or Madone, but not be one of the worst teams in the National League. So I think that that's helped, especially losing Strasburg, the reigning World Series MVP for the rest of the year. So I think that 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 hurts. Definitely. Uh, I mean, the Marlins, they look like they could be a playoff team. Obviously, teams like the Reds, the Brewers, the Rockies, and the Giants, teams that are probably outside of the top two in their division that are trying to compete for those two wildcard spots, they're going to have something to say about that. But like I said, all the Marlins going to do is just play 500 baseball for the rest of the year, and I think they're in. Yeah, you know, they're they're knocking on the door. I This is where you're seeing their young core and their potential really come in. I know people have said a lot about how Derek Jeter has run them into the ground and all and all the things that have been said against him, but what he has done is starting to really come into fruition in terms of going in that full circle, and now they're contending, and it's actually nice to see after they've just been historically bad. Yeah, so, you know they get Starling Marte at the deadline, which is a which is a good deal. They for bought them. at the deadline. What was the last time the Marlins bought at the deadline? Yeah, and I mean he hits a home run in his first game to help you know take that big win over the Blue Jays. Like you know, that's I don't know. I just think they're kind of headed in the right direction. Which oh yeah, they're he- they're headed in the right direction completely. Good for them. You know, it's it's nice to see a little bit of a shake up here since they've been bad. You know, yeah. just unbelievably bad for yeah. a while now. Yeah. I think another one, they're playing really good baseball right now. Mikey Strzemski has been terrific. His journey is just getting better and better with how he is lighting it up. I really like what the Giants are doing right now because they're fighting for a playoff spot. We wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago. And now and now they're, they're like the Reds. They're like the Rockies and those teams who are outside of the top two in their division trying to fight for a playoff spot. So you're getting to the home stretch where it's going to be a dead heat right to the finish line to get that those remaining playoff spots. Yeah, and another thing is credit to Gabe Kapler. He's done a good job. He's really just like mixing and matching weird relievers. Yeah, they're not a team with a whole ton of talent. Obviously, there are some players, like I said, Stramski, Brandon Belt, still actually having a pretty solid year. Oh, yeah, he's having a really good year. Yeah, Longoria, Longoria. Joey Bart. What was that, Cole? Oh, sorry, Wilmer Flores. Yeah, Wilmer yeah, Flores. Wilmer Flores has excelled, and he we, hasn't even been playing in the field as much, more as a DH. Yeah, and we all highlighted that as a really good acquisition for them in the offseason, just a utility guy playing on a cheap deal. Uh, and then Johnny Cueto coming out of the starting rotation. Kevin Gossman has been really good for them this year. 
they're just finding ways to grind out wins. They're they're one of the more grindy teams, gritty teams in the MLB. And I don't want to say it because they're in our division. We still have to play them seven more times, but it is an even year. And if the Giants sneak in as that eight seed and play the Dodgers, whoo, in a three-game series, Johnny Cueto with his whoop, 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 and then pitch, and then he's got that splitter, the fastball, the slider go along with it. Who knows? He's strong. And then, of course, you got Kevin Gosman, who I just mentioned is having a really good year. The Giants could make some noise. Do I suspect them to? Probably not. I think his dream is going to come back to life a bit. Same with Belt, same with a lot of those guys. But you got to give credit to them. They're absolutely killing it right now. They destroyed the Rockies on Tuesday. They put up the Rockies, runs. The Rockies think, didn't get them today. I'm sure but, they set MLB history by having, I think it was the first team ever three, to have first with three six guys plus six RBs. Yes. That's insane. Yeah, and Alex Big Dickerson, uh, he, he's just killing it now that he's actually healthy. I'm impressed you guys didn't smirk at that. Uh, oh, I smirk. Alex, I smirk. Alex Dickerson, uh, Powell High School alum, former San Diego Padre. You just love to see those guys killing it. Okay, let's move on to the AL standings. Guys, any surprises with the shakeups, especially from the Central? Any other surprises so far? Uh, I'll, I'll start with uh, the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I think they were pretty unanimously the worst team in baseball coming to the year, either them or the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it's really been the Pirates by a significant amount. And the Tigers, they, they've been killing it as of late. Uh, coming into tonight when they were up 5 nothing and they blew it against the Brewers, they had won eight of their last ten. They swept the Twins in a four-game series. No, I did not stutter when I said that. They swept the Minnesota Twins in a four-game series. Uh, the Twins' offense has really quieted down of late. I saw someone tweet out earlier today that every single player who was on the Twins last year, besides Nelson Cruz, their OPS has gone down by almost over 0.1. So, like, if you get 800 OPS, then your OPS is 700 this year. So, they've seen a lot of regression in that aspect and I think we all expected that now they did add Josh Donaldson and a couple of pitchers that we expect to make up for that and why they'd win the division and he's just starting to get back healthy so I feel like that might make a difference Donaldson came back tonight he needed a two hit game and they crushed the White Sox Sox and the Indians and like I said I think people are really underestimating this Indians team and they're winning without Mike Clevenger and they just treated Mike Clevenger and got several players that they can help that the Padres gave to them that can help their team win. I think Josh Naylor helps out the outfield and left field. And I really think Cal Quantrill is just an absolute monster uh, who's just waiting to be unleashed in Cleveland. So I, I, I at this point, I want to mention a point. Look at what the Indians have done. They've traded Corey Kluber. They've traded now Clevenger and they've traded Trevor Bauer. And they still have one of the best rotations in the league. You're in the best. It's called yeah, maybe yeah. the best rotation. It's it's insane, and it's incredible to see that they continually have – they're at the top every single year. Yeah, and their their ability to just produce pitchers like Mad 
is one showing that it's not Mickey Callaway. Uh, I think that's been made pretty clear with him going to New York, sucking and him being the pitching coach for the angels this year. And then just absolutely being atrocious. It's, it's built in their farm system. They're building these young pitchers up so they could be studs in the major league level. And they're all there and they're just performing without Clevenger and Plesak for a while. They're relying on other names. I, they, they've just been incredible. I, McKenzie, who was a pitching prospect, he's come up. He's been incredible. Aaron Savali, I don't think a lot of people knew who he was, but he's been an absolute stud for them this year. And you look at Shane Bieber, he's obviously the front runner for the American League Cy Young Award, uh, my my predicted AL Cy Young Award I recipient. Against myself for some stupid uh, reason. Because you're a loser. <laughs> uh, and I don't actually feel your point by what you just said about their starting rotation. Royals just lost two out of three to them. When they had Plezak, Bieber, and McKenzie pitching. 18 innings pitched, one earned run between the three of them. Mm -hmm. That is dominance as finest, and I don't know what else to say besides that this team, year in and year out, is just one of the best pitching staffs in the entire MLB. Yeah, they're they're incredible. I at this point, I'm probably going to pick them to win the division with the Twins struggling. Uh, as it's it's been made pretty clear that I'm the lowest believer in the White Sox out of all the three of us. Uh, their offense has been incredible. Their pitching staff has been way better than anyone expected. Lucas Giolito is no hitter. Forgot to bring that up. Shout out to Lucas. Uh, to Lucas Giolito, terrific performance. My Cy Young yeah. pick. Yes. Cool. Not going to win was. the Cy Young. Still throw a no hitter. Exactly. Hey, you, I mean, <laughs> that, that, they're, I mean, that, that's incredible. And the, the White Sox are impressing everyone. They're the most exciting team in the American League, in my opinion. Obviously, the most exciting team in baseball is the Slam Diego Padres. I, uh, I mean, you could go on Twitter and you could see how many people just absolutely love the Padres who aren't fans. Like, I mean, Sure, I'm biased about it, but I, I'm not just saying that as like I'm a homer. Like, ah! like you saying the Royals are going to make the playoffs. Uh, I love. I'm going to keep. Take yeah, I, I'm going to take it seriously, Ryan. This is a serious podcast. This is a professionally done podcast where I own you. Let me make. Okay, some- that's just wrong. First off, but I'm also going to add some shakeups of my own with how the AL Central's played out. I've been surprised with Royal how just show me your rings. <laughs> yep. I don't have any lying. rings, Ryan. I don't. I don't. Lying. Dude, use another line. Let me mix it up a little bit here. Okay. So moving on. Uh, Let me I, mix it up here just real quick. Just I think that, Cole, would you agree with me that the shakeup that has just come through with the AL Central, with the Indians moving to first, the White Sox moving to second, then the Twins falling to third – is really something that no one expected because we all said early on the Twins were dominating. They were dominating, and now they have just slipped, and now you're seeing the White Sox, who are one of the league's hottest teams, take over, and you have the Indians, who are playing at an elite level, still over them. I mean, it just goes to show you just how like how inconsistent that – like how that division is truly anyone's division. Besides I mean, the Tigers and Royals, of course. Well, yeah, of course. But even the Tigers this year are, fi- are playing 500 ball. I mean, that's that just kind of goes to show you how one yeah, of the worst sure. teams in the league can still even compete in the division. I mean, you know, 
just something to think about there. Let me add a little bit of a shakeup here of my own. The Seattle Mariners are quietly seven and three in their last 10 games. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying this is a playoff team, but if they can stay hot, this is definitely a team, I guess, to watch out for, I'd say. Um, you know, they've been led by the um, by their rookie stud, Kyle Lewis, who is batting a whopping 328 this year with the 945 OPS. Um, he's been ridiculous. They're getting really good pitching out of uh, Denver native Marco Gonzalez. Um, he's got a 3.09 ERA over there at 43 and two-thirds. That's really good. Aside from that, they've been showcasing a lot of their young talent. They pick up Taylor Trammell, who's the only top 10 prospect the Padres managed to give up during this trade deadline. And to add to their loaded you know, um, prospect outfield that they've got coming up over probably the next few seasons, um, definitely something to watch out for there. I think the Mariners are in a much better spot right now than a lot of people. a lot of people think. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, agree. I mean, it's I mean, you know, sure they may not make the playoffs this year, but the fact that they're ahead of the Angels and the Rangers in that Western division is saying something. I mean, that's definitely you know you can't really squander that. So you know, yeah, they're eight and a half back of uh, the A's, but I mean, you know, they're at at seven and three in their last ten games. You know, if they can get hot and get on a little run here, you know, they might find themselves in the postseason. So just something to look out for, I guess. Uh, yeah. With no, definitely. And they they took two out of three from the San Diego Padres right after the Padres swept the Rangers and then swept the Astros and were on a seven-game winning streak. They came into San Diego and said, hey, we own the Vetter Cup, and they, they really do. Uh, the, they're, they're a talented team. J.P. Crawford – is finally starting to emerge as that shortstop that everyone expected him to be for the Phillies, and they traded him for Gene Segura, which is just an awful trade. Uh, the Mariners, they are going to have a really good outfield in the next couple of years because we're already seeing how good Kyle Lewis is going to be. You already brought Taylor Trammell. He's going to be a stud, in my opinion. You really saw that in the back half of last year in the in AA. He, he finally started to figure out his swing and his groove. And then, not to mention, they have two other really good outfield prospects, Jared Kelnick, who they absolutely fleeced from the Lil Mets, and then also Julio Rodriguez, who is a right-handed hitting slugger for them. Uh, the Mariners have put themselves in a good spot, not to mention they have a couple other good pitching prospects, such as Logan Gilbert and Justin Dunn is still young. He's not doing too great on the year for them, but a lot of promise there. The the Mariners are in a good spot, uh, especially with the Houston Astros seemingly on a little bit of a decline. Uh, the A's, you know, they go in those couple of year spurts where they're good and they kind of go back down. I don't know if that's going to be the case with them this time around, but uh, the, the Mariners are in a spot where they could be competing for a playoff spot possibly next year or the year after that when we've seen teams like in these past couple of years, like the Twins, the Padres, the White Sox, some of these other teams, the Marlins, they just emerge out of nowhere and all of a sudden they're a playoff contender. So it's not too far of the realm of possibilities to be treating this Mariners team seriously. And Cole, I'm glad you brought them up. I, I probably was going to at some point, but it, you're you're a wise man. The Mariners are playing really well right now. And Mike, you, you both hit on the head. This is a team that a lot of people thought were going to be one of the worst in the league. And now they're they're showing their potential. 
just like teams like the Marlins are doing. And they're in a lot better – they're in a better position than people think. And you've got guys like Evan White. You've got – they just got Taylor Trammell. They have Kyle Lewis who's playing extremely well this year. And I'm completely impressed with how they've been playing. This is a team that has does not have the best history. And you could see that history start to turn around soon when they make the playoffs in the next couple of years because you're just seeing that from their young and young and developing core. Yeah, and so uh, do you guys have any more comments on the American League standings other than the fact that the Royals are in last place uh, because we're going to wrap it up after that? I have one thing to say. I would not be surprised with the Yankees' recent struggles and injury issues if at some point the Toronto Blue Jays overcome them for at least a small period of time. At least a small. Until they get healthy, of course. Okay. I I respect the fact that you're going bold there. I think there's actually logic behind that and like you picking the Royals to Can you stop with that? No. I was nice enough no. to give your team a, a spot, okay? Well, because there were there was logic behind that decision. I think we were pretty much unanimously a fringe playoff team coming into the year without expanded playoffs. And with them, a lot of people thought we were. So, uh, scram. Uh, but, yeah, the Blue Jays are only one game behind the Yankees. Exactly. Uh, Amer- America's team, the Tampa Bay Rays, are killing them. Took eight out of ten games from the Yankees. And that's absolutely incredible. They actually won – I think six out of seven in Yankee Stadium this year. Yeah, and if if you don't watch the Rays, they're they're a very fun team. Obviously, they don't yeah. get put in that fun category because they're a serious championship contender. But and with all the injuries that they're going through, oh, they're still playing dude. terrific baseball. Yeah. And I want to say one more thing they, about the Blue Jays: they're playing terrific without their best player, Boba Shett. He's only played fourteen games this year, and they're still nineteen and sixteen, and we're only a game back from the Yankees. Yeah, and that was part of the reason they traded for Jonathan Villar to play short. But they have a bunch of guys who have stepped up this year. Lourdes Gurriel, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not playing to what everyone expected him to be, a lord and savior of the Blue Jays. And if you did any research behind it, you figured that he wasn't going to live up to that expectation. Vigio's been solid. Vigio's been solid. Kevin, yes, Teoscar Hernandez. And even Randall Gritchick, all these guys are having yeah, like he's hitting the, Those two are hitting really well. Yeah, and then you got Rowdy Tejas, Travis Shaw, a bunch of guys that are just really performing. And they're a team that certainly will make the playoffs, given that it's expanded, and they could possibly sneak in as like that sixth seed. And if you're that sixth seed, then all of a sudden you're playing a team like the Oakland Athletics or the Cleveland Indians in just a three-game series. That's where you want them. That's where you want to play those teams because – in a three-game series, anything's possible. You just gotta have two good starting pitching performances. And if you're the Ray, if you're the Blue Jays, you've got Hyunjin Ryu, one of the best starting pitchers in baseball, especially last year. If you get a good outing out of him, all of a sudden you gotta do is just win one out of the two next games. So they're uh But imagine they're, if they're, it's against a team like the Indians, you're you're gonna have Hyunjin Ryu going against Shane Bieber. Mm-hmm. So just think about it like that. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not. I'm not going to pick the Blue Jays in a three-game series. That's just not going to happen. I don't think they're they're quite ready yet. But they're a young, talented team. They're they're yeah. another one of those 
fun teams to watch. Their their light blue uniforms are, in my opinion, the best uniforms of baseball. They're so gorgeous. You're really gonna uh, pick those. That, you're really gonna pick those ahead of the the brown San Diego home unis, the pinstripes. The, well, it's it's those one uniforms. I, their other uniforms are cool, but those because all the other powder blues are more of like a powder. But those are like what about the worst old ones? I, I, Shut I, up. I see your argument. What? Hold on. <laughs> the 1985 beautiful home. We don't blue. live in 1985, Ryan. Ryan. We live in the present. I live in 2020. I'm talking about 2020 baseball uniforms, okay? The Padres have no history. The Padres have been a joke for the past decade. Good you, have no, you have no rigs. You have no rigs. You have no rigs. I have, we have Tony. You're on mute, bud. I know. He muted me. He <laughs> muted me. This is revenge Ryan. for muting me before. Yeah, well, that's because you were. I forget why I muted you, but anyways. Uh, so I, I think I think I we should the end. pass because my team actually has a pass with winning. Yours doesn't. I I know that. Pats don't I, care about your feelings, and your team has had a crappy I, past. I know we have a crappy past, Ryan, but I live in the present. I live in 2020. I talk about this year because that's what we talk about on the Golden Sombrero Show. And you know what? um, I, I'm going to. Bring my World Series rings to Arizona and just wear them on the show, just for you. Yeah, that would be cool. Wait, what did you you cut out, Cole? I said you got a hold of some. How? It's a like stupid replica ring. I'm sure he knows I'm right. Anyways, we thank you for tuning into this episode of the Golden Sabro Show. It ran a little, ran a little long. Uh, we're going to continue to bring you guys uh, quality baseball content. All three of us enjoy watching baseball. I'm enjoying it a little bit more than them, unfortunately for you guys. Uh, I think that's that's just the way it has been this year. Both of you guys expected better things. It just hasn't been that way. Uh, we have baseball. Yes, yes, we do have baseball. I still look forward to watching the Royals every night just because baseball's here. I'm just happy to have it despite the fact that they suck. Yeah, I mean, I was the same way when the Padres were sucking. So, I mean, I totally get it. Well, I, I just, I was just, the last time they didn't suck before this year. Dude, shut up. Holy crap. It was 2010, okay? If you you, really went, want to bring you it went at me for my team. You said yes. multiple times, my team is in last place. How many times has your team been in last place in the past decade, bud? It's probably three or four. Anyways, it's going to wrap up Golden Sombrero Show. I'm Dominic Stern on behalf of Cole Bradley and Brian Blank. The Padres have zero rings. Ryan Blank would like you to tell me that. Uh, we thank you for tuning in. We'll, we'll bring another baseball show to you guys at some point next week. We have Cole Bradley and Ryan Blank. Tom McStern signing off.